Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Wednesday, November 4th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. We're going to chat about the MAC, talk about the Pac-12, and highlight some games here, some box score notes, some regression things for week 10 of the college football season here on today's show. Quickly at the top of the broadcast here, I want to let you know that we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon. So something could change with COVID or injuries. I'm sure some of the lines will have changed. But with the election, with Kyle live trading the election here today, I wanted to make sure that we were getting this show in to have it ready for you on Wednesday morning because he'll be catching up on sleep after being up all night uh, dealing with all the different things surrounding the election. Over at ATS.io, lots of great stuff. The bet $1, win $100 promotion is back over at BetMGM for the Thursday night game between the Packers and the 49ers. I encourage you to read about that over at ATS.io. Check out our other picks and predictions. Download the ATS app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. There are There's an odd screen in there. There are stats and lots of information and also article integration from ATS.io for you to check out in that app as well. And, of course, make sure you check out the ATS YouTube page with our highlight videos. Did a couple of highlight videos uh, here. Well, we'll have a couple on today's show. Talked about the NFL with Brian Blessing on Tuesday's show. Got some Brian Blessing highlight videos of his own over there at the YouTube as well. Plenty of stuff going on for you to check out in all things ATS, both over at the website and on our ATS YouTube channel. With that, we bring on today's guest, and that is professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. And Kyle, I would ask you how it's going today, but I already got a pretty good idea of, of what's happening in your world. Yeah, it's going pretty crazy. Um, just really busy and uh, a lot of different things going in my mind here today and uh, prepping for the all-nighter in the election bunker. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, as far as football, I want to say return of the Mac, right? Yes, sir. Return of the Mac. We will talk about the Mac here and our power ratings in a second. We'll also talk about the Pac-12 and our power ratings for that conference as well. But again, I just want to reiterate here to our listeners that we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon, about 2.30 Eastern time or so. So some of these lines will have changed. I'm sure some of the Mac numbers will definitely have changed uh, because kickoff, of course, will be the day that you hear the show. I didn't want to post both shows on Tuesday. I wanted to post one on Tuesday one on Wednesday. So that's what I'll be doing here after I edit the program. But first and foremost, Kyle, let's talk about the Mac because I think it's really important to drive home a lot of different points about this conference because just about all of their games here this season are going to be on weeknights. And what that means is that a lot of people that have either not really paid close attention to the Mac in previous years or don't know a whole lot about the Mac will be betting these games because they're on weeknights and what the hell else are we supposed to do? So with that in mind, I think it's very important that we emphasize a lot of different things in this conference today. Yeah, I agree. I, I, first of all, I think you and I both love that they're going to be in the middle of the week like this. You know, I, I don't I don't like all the Mac games getting buried on a Saturday near as much as I like having those during the middle of the week. Uh, it's the best time for Maction. Um, I did want to point out that I think that favorites will get bet pretty heavily here in um, these Wednesday night games because, you know, people are going to know something about a team like Toledo uh, or Buffalo versus a team like Akron or Bowling Green. That's a pretty extreme example. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying I want to bet on Akron or Bowling Green, but I do think that the favorites may be a little bit, um, a little bit bet heavier than they would have been at, 
having said that, I want to say that favorites of 14 and a half points or more in MAC conference play are 40 and 22 against the spread in the last 62. So I don't know if I'm really anxious to take those big underdogs because in the MAC, there are some really bad teams at the bottom of that conference. So I think there is a good reason that you're laying a big number. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be totally against laying a big number in this conference. No, I agree. And, and one thing I will mention here about this conference really quickly is that, you know, in, in power five conferences, these athletic departments are rich with cash. I know they're canceling, you know, non-revenue programs and, and, and stuff like that. But a lot of those power five teams are rich with cash in this conference. I think we'll end up seeing a lot of bus travel. So I do think that maybe to a degree, home field advantage could come into play a little bit more. Now, of course, some of these schools are very close together, like Kent State and Akron, like Bowling Green and Toledo. The directional Michigan schools are pretty close. But going to outliers like a Ball State, um, Ohio University is down in Athens. And frankly, I've never even been there, even though one of my favorite breweries in the state of Ohio is down there, just because it's so hard to get to, so off the beaten path. Buffalo, of course, a long trip. So I do think that there's that first and foremost, especially with some of these short weeks here, you may be talking about bus trips, longer travel of three, four, five, six hours, something like that. So I do think maybe in this conference, even though there won't be fans in attendance, travel could play a little bit more of a role than we would expect in some of the other conferences. I agree with that. Um, we're going to have to get you to Athens at some point. Yeah, that's a, a pretty, pretty nice little place, but um you know, I think uh, Northern Illinois is a long ways away from everybody, too. So Northern Illinois, uh, a trip from Athens to Northern Illinois is a pretty long trip. Um, and like you said, you know, Northern Illinois, even from Kent and Akron and places like that is a long ways away. So um, I think that you're right that there's going to be a little bit more home field advantage here than what there is in some of the other conferences because they don't have the same kind of budget. I do think that um, it's going to be interesting to see what the handle is on these type of games. You know, there's going to be a lot of bets placed on these games that wouldn't have been placed if they were on a Saturday. So I think this is going to be a good one to uh, revisit throughout the course of the year because I'm curious to see how it uh, shapes the marketplace compared to what it usually would. And also, too, with regards to totals, you know, a lot of people romanticize the notion of Maction. It's really been a long time since we had games where both teams were getting into the 60s, you know, the Northern Illinois versus Toledo types of matchups, stuff like that. Here, it's more about bad defense than it is about really good, really efficient offense, uh, probably outside of Buffalo. So, Keep that in mind, too, that I think the totals market could end up being a little bit skewed in this conference as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm a bit nervous to take unders in, in week one. You know, we saw how week one was really good for overs the first couple of weeks. So I don't know that I would want to take unders across the board in week one or two. But I agree with you that in general, people are going to want to bet the over here. And, uh, you know, the Sun Belts one, the Fun Belts one, where there's a lot more scoring now than what there is in the MAC. So some of those weeknight Sun Belt games, the Arkansas State games that have happened here this year, um, have also kind of skewed things. People might think, well, MACTION's back, you know, here come the 100-point games. So I agree with you. I think there could be some line moves up. If you like the under, you probably want to wait till close to game time. Well, and, and as we break down the Mac here a little bit, I did talk about my Mac power ratings with Brad Powers on last Thursday's show because, of course, we do the show with Brad on Thursday, so all of the the uh, you know week one Mac games here would have already been played. But there are a few discrepancies in the power ratings between you and I here. I think some of these are pretty interesting. We'll kind of key in on these in the interest of time because I know you got a lot of things going on here. 
You've got Buffalo listed here as a 70 and a half. I have Buffalo a 67 and a half based on the line movement here for this game against Northern Illinois. My line is nine and a half. The market up to 13 and a half. Sounds like I'm going to have to adjust my uh, Buffalo power rating up to where yours is. I like Buffalo a lot. I think they're really well coached team. Um, nobody else in the Mac has the identity that they have on offense either. They can run the football on anybody. Their depth at running back is really good. I, I think you could argue that this Buffalo um, tailback uh, spot is stronger than most of the power five teams are at, at running back, especially even, you know, some of the really quality teams in power five really would love to have the running backs that Buffalo has Buffalo lost their top lineman from last year, but I do think that uh, they have a really good offensive line. Again, they can run the ball every year. They have a quarterback that can manage the game. Their defense is pretty good. They're not going to play fast. So I wouldn't expect Buffalo games to be really high scoring, but I think they will possess the ball, um, have the time of possession um, edge, pretty often and I really think Buffalo could be a very good team this year like I said my line on that game is nine and a half I'm gonna have to make an adjustment to Buffalo probably move them up maybe move NIU down a little bit Uh, I'm not sure what you're using for home field advantage right now but it looks like your numbers in that 13 13 and a half range so did you play that one early in the week or were you uh, you know a little bit hesitant to make that move I did I did bet Buffalo I would not bet them at the current number so um, this is one where I am going to have to, uh, you know, see what happens with the line. I, I was hoping it wouldn't move up that much because, you know, clients have a hard time if it if it reaches that that threshold. I'll have to pull the sales and things like that, obviously, because I don't want somebody to get a line that's far worse than me. Um, at the same time, I think this line move is the right the right move because I think Buffalo is just the one that can control the line of scrimmage here. I don't, I don't trust NIU. I think they're a team that doesn't really have an identity on offense. They used to be really good defensively, but they're not even very good defensively anymore. So uh, it's ca- kind of hard when you look at them to even figure out what their real strength is at this point. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, also, too, if you're going to lay big favorites, pick one that's got a good running game because then they can just completely take over and either chew up a ton of clock or just keep adding on. And Buffalo certainly fits that profile here. Uh, The second team here, probably the second highest profile team in the MAC, Ohio. I've got them 64 and a half, three points below Buffalo. You've got them 65 and a half, five points below Buffalo. Yeah, I like Ohio. Um, I think they're a well-coached team too. You know, it's hard to say what the quarterback change will be for them. And that's why I can't rate them any higher than I did because, um, you know, Ohio, I would think would still be a quality offense, but they put up some really good numbers the last few seasons efficiency wise. So, I don't know that their offense can be quite as good as they've been in the past, but I still think OU has a lot higher upside than most teams in the MAC. Well, another team that you've got a little bit higher than I do, and and quite frankly, maybe I was just down a little bit on the MAC too much across the board here. You've got Toledo a point and a half higher than I do. I have them 61, six and a half points different from Buffalo. You have them 62 and a half, which is eight points different from Buffalo, uh, but still a little bit higher rated than, you know, most of the other members of this conference. Yeah, when I looked at Toledo, I thought that, you know, they went so bad ATS last year, and they've been such such a quality team for years in a row. I wanted to be high on Toledo, if anything, because I want to be able to bet on them. I don't think that they're going to do the three and nine ATS again this year. And I think that Toledo is good enough in the trenches that they should be able to beat most teams in the MAC. Their defense really dropped off badly last year. If their defense gets any better this year, you would think that Toledo uh, could be a pretty good team. Now, they're not going to be the dominant team they've been in the past, but I still think they're a bit better than they were last year. 
And I think it makes sense. And this is probably a slight adjustment that I will make here, especially again, my line uh, Bowling Green and Toledo, I think is 19 and the market's up to 22 now. So again, looks like Toledo, a team I will have to adjust up a little bit, but I do agree with you in the sense that you differentiated Toledo a little bit from the group of teams in the middle here, Miami of Ohio, Ball State, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, Kent State, I do think it makes sense to say that Toledo is either better than they are or certainly a little bit more trustworthy than those other teams. So I think I actually like your power ratings for the Mac a bit more than mine. Well, I think that um, Ball State's a team that I'm going to watch to see if I want to adjust them because I think Ball State does have some upside potential. Uh, They have a really good secondary. Um, You don't find very many really good secondaries in the Mac. So I'm going to watch Ball State closely this year. Miami of Ohio also returns a lot. So I think there's a couple teams there that could jump. Um, As far as other teams, Eastern Michigan, I think, is a well-coached team, but I really don't like their talent level this year. So um, I usually don't like betting against them, but I would be pretty low on Eastern Michigan this year. But in general, there are a lot of teams kind of in the middle of the MAC that are pretty similar. And we'll have to see if those teams separate themselves at all, uh, you know, as we kind of go forward here. I haven't seen an update. I'm sure you haven't either because you've been uh, neck deep in all the election stuff. But for Central Michigan, they were still, as of yesterday, waiting to find out if David Moore would be reinstated uh, for their game here this week against Ohio. And I have yet to see anything sort of break about that. But Again, I mean, just another shameful thing for the NCAA to not even let this team know what's going on, you know, hours in advance of their first game. Yeah, I looked at this last night and saw that there was no update. I mean, honestly, um, you know, I don't know how much it matters, but yeah, I think he's been pretty good. So I think it matters at least somewhat. But Central Michigan's a team that was really good ATS last year. And if you look at their turnover margin from last year, it was really bad. So I'd be hesitant to play against Central Michigan. I think McIlwain's done a good job there. At the same time, I wouldn't want to bet Central Michigan without knowing that news. And like you, I wish they would at least just say, you know, is he, is he playing or is he not? Well, and of course, at the bottom for both of us, Akron and Bowling Green. And Akron, uh, a much bigger underdog here against Western Michigan than both you and I have. I've yet to decide if I'm going to bet on the alma mater, but uh, are, are you thinking about making an Akron play or no? Not thinking about it. I'll, I'll let you do that one yourself. If you're you're going to watch that. the game, though, aren't you? I don't think I will. No, I don't think I'd probably still be. Oh, recovered. wait. So you draw a line <laughs> at Akron Zips football. Come Akron. On. Yeah, you got to draw the line somewhere, right? God. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Let's transition to a better conference here, although it's questionable to say whether the Pac-12 is a power five conference or not, given how they've done on the national landscape here over the last few years. But this will be fresh content for everybody listening. I talked about the Mac last week with uh, Brad Powers. As I mentioned, first time talking really about some Pac-12 power ratings here. And you and I are, are by and large in the same area on a lot of these teams here. And we're in the same area on the teams at the top. Oregon in 83 for me, 83 and a half for you. USC, 83 for me, 83 for you. Utah, 80 for me, 79 for you. Pretty well-defined top three teams here in the Pac-12. Yeah, you know, uh, USC is a hard team for me to rate because you know what I think about Helton. So, I mean, um, I don't want to rate them too highly. At the same time, USC has some good players. They have some really good talent. And if you're just looking at quarterbacks, there aren't many better than Slovis. Uh, I think he's really, really good. 
Um, USC should be able to move the ball on everybody. I see them as an over team this year, so I'll be looking to take overs with USC. Their first matchup, they're playing against a team that I want to take unders with, so I'm going to stay away from that game in week one. But uh, USC is a team that I'll want to adjust in my power ratings. Oregon, a team that I think is um, more predictable than is USC. I think Oregon, we know that on offense, they should drop back a bit. Their quarterback play, not as good. On defense, Oregon is very good. I think their secondary is elite. Um, their defensive line's good as well. I don't think many teams in the Pac-12 will be able to move the ball consistently on Oregon. So I really like their defense a lot. Yeah, Arizona State, the opening opponent here for USC. 9 a.m. Pacific time kickoff on Saturday. They get that Fox big noon Saturday time slot. Ten and a half the number on that one. Fifty-eight and a half the total for that game. I've got that one USC minus 12. You've got it a little bit lower because you're two and a half points lower on Arizona State than I am. I've got them a 73. You have them a 70 and a half. What do you think the difference is between the two of us with that number? I don't like Arizona State's skill position talent on offense outside of Daniels. I think Daniels was good last year. But if you look at the rest of the guys around him, they've lost some really good wide receivers the last couple of years. Um, Arizona State also weak on the offensive line. So I think Daniels is kind of by himself more than he has been um, in, in the past. And I think that, you know, um, while Arizona State has been better than I thought they would be, uh, the last couple seasons, I still don't think that Arizona State's up in that upper echelon. So I wanted to be careful about rating them too highly. Um, I'd rather fade them early than I would bet on them. Having said that, Arizona State is one of them that I would adjust pretty quickly this year too. Yeah, I think it's an interesting spot because you know, again, you've got a you have an Arizona State team that you know, they recruited an okay level, but Herm Edwards has really overachieved with that program. And and you know, we talk all the time about some of the difficulties with regards to doing power ratings and. You have to respect a talent level like USC, like in Oregon, something like that. But those are two teams that kind of, um, as far as the national landscape goes, have underachieved. And you can kind of point to coaching as the reason why. Arizona State may be lower on the talent spectrum, but higher on the coaching side because Herm Edwards has done so well with that program here up until this point. So I think in the Pac-12 specifically, it's probably one of the hardest conferences for me to power rate year in and year out because do I respect the talent? Do I respect the coach? Take Cal, for example. And I know you and I have Cal in the same range, 73 and a half for me, 74 for you. Wilcox has done a phenomenal job there. They're not a good offensive team at all. They are exceptional defensively. They win a lot of close, low-scoring games. The offense was better when you know Garbers was out there, so I guess there's that. But that's the hard thing about this conference is you've got some teams that – just aren't as talented as their brethren, but their coaching staff gets more out of them than some of these other teams do. Agree. I, there are some pretty good coaches in this conference. And at the same time, there are some teams, like you said, that have really good talent that I'm not sure that they can maximize it the best. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what Washington does this year. I think they're a team that will be very good on defense. I look to see Washington run the football a lot this year. Uh, Lake has really talked about wanting to be physical and run the ball as much as he can. Uh, I don't think they'll throw the ball much at all. I see them as an under team this year. So uh, Washington's one to watch. Uh, Utah lost a lot on defense from last year, too. I think both of us agree that Weddingham's a really good coach. So uh, I don't think they'll drop off a lot, but certainly they don't have the upside they did last year. Utah lost a lot on offense, too, but I wonder about Jake Bentley. You know, South Carolina transfer coming in, is is that something that, you know, works out for them where he goes from, you know, playing in the Southeast where weather is not a significant factor to playing in Utah where weather can be 
a significant factor. So I guess we'll sort of see how everything plays out there uh, for the Utah Utes. There is one team that we've got a pretty big power ratings discrepancy on, and I don't think you and I ever really have four-point power ratings discrepancies, but we've got one here with Washington State. New head coach, of course, in Nick Rolovich, who was very good at Florida. I will give him a lot of credit for that. Hawaii, or not not Florida, Hawaii, still, you know, nice, warm, tropical place, whatever. Um, But the thing about Washington State here is they go from the air raid to more of a run and shoot. So I don't think the offensive scheme is that dramatically different. Maybe I gave them too much credit for that as I have them power rated a 70. You have them a 66, and we will talk about them again here later on for a highlight video. Yeah, I won't say too much since we're going to talk about them in the highlight video, but I do think Washington State has a lot of question marks this year. And, um, you know, it's not necessarily to think that Rolovich is a bad coach. It's really that, I mean, he didn't even walk into a great situation to start with, and then they've had a lot of issues since he's been there. So I think that Washington State did a good job maximizing talent in the past. Can they do as good here? I think it could be difficult. One other set of teams I want to highlight here for a second because I think both of us have a power ratings overlay on this game UCLA and Colorado I do have Colorado a half point higher than you do at 62 and a half you have them 62 both of us with UCLA though at 67 and UCLA a pretty big favorite going to Boulder here as this number has actually touched seven at a couple of the sharper global shops I can't get there man my line is like two on this game Yeah, I don't want to bet UCLA, so I will definitely consider betting Colorado in this game. This is a game that I'll look at closer. If they want to bet it to seven or seven and a half, that sounds good to me. Um, You know, UCLA, a team that has underachieved a lot under Chip Kelly so far. And I know it's DTR in what, his third year in the system, I think it is. So, I mean, people say, well, he's going to make a big jump, but he he turns the ball over a lot. So is is he going to keep doing that? He's got to take care of the ball uh, better. I don't know that he's a huge strength. I don't think he's terrible at all. But at the same time, the people around him on offense at UCLA are really not very good. I don't think that they want to get in those shootouts that you would have thought a Chip, Chip Kelly would, team would want to be in because I don't think they have that really that many good weapons on offense. Colorado's going to run the football, uh, use time here. Uh, so I would think that uh, Colorado could be a good look here based on the fact, too, that you have a SoCal team going to Colorado uh, to play in altitude, which is not a great spot for them. And if I remember correctly, I believe there's weather in the forecast this weekend in Boulder, which is clearly not a big surprise to anybody. Oh, no, I was wrong. It's actually going to be pretty warm. So the snow comes in after, of course, the day after the game. So you know, that would have been a nice little Love angle, uh, snow coming in here on Sunday. But uh, also one other angle to consider, Carl Durrell, the new head coach at Colorado, played his college ball at UCLA was a coach on the UCLA staff. So wouldn't be a bad way to go here, getting your first win uh, against your alma mater. So maybe Colorado plays a little bit more for him because frankly, I think that's the reason why perception's a little bit low on Colorado. That was a pretty uninspiring hire, I think, uh, when that news kind of came down. And those are things that, you know, will affect the betting markets, whether it's perception, narrative, or, or just something of, of that same breath. Right. I guess the, the thing that I would say to that, though, is was Mel Tucker really good? I mean, because I don't oh, think Mel Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I was, I was going to leave them out of it, but. Uh, oh, never. Mel, Mel Tucker, I don't think he was a very good head coach either. So I, I don't know that I would consider this a downgrade. I think that there's potential for this to be an upgrade. So um, I'm, I don't want to be uh, totally against Colorado, even though I do think they are short on talent this year. 
All right, so there are our thoughts on the Pac-12, of course, and the MAC. We'll have to make some adjustments to our power ratings here as we go forward, and I'm sure that Kyle and I will be talking a lot of MAC football, given that you know they are playing so many of those weeknight games. Unfortunately, they will play on Tuesday night uh, with a few games next week, so we won't be able to talk about those. I'll talk about those probably on my solo segment on Monday, uh, which the listeners asked me to do, and because I'm a man of the people, I went ahead and did that here the last couple of Mondays, and I will continue to do so as well let's go through a few box score things some regression signs Uh, a lot of these notes i came up with i know you've been very very busy here uh, with some election stuff and i hate to reopen a fresh wound as i know you had a piece of this oklahoma state and texas game over the weekend i like texas i bet texas i sprinkled the money line my line said texas should be favored very lucky winner for me as oklahoma state minus five in turnover margin four of them were fumbles Cowboys outscored Texas or outgained Texas, excuse me, 530 to 287. Texas with a kick return touchdown and three scoring drives of 15 yards or fewer. I watched a lot of this game um, kind of around doing trick or treat with the kids, and I was getting pretty frustrated with this game. You know, this is one where I had the under. Um, you know, this, this under wasn't nearly as bad a play as it, what it looks like to people when they just look at the score. Oklahoma State could move the ball pretty easily. Texas was not moving the ball well at all, but they keep getting uh, Oklahoma State fumbling the ball in their own end. And then the kick return touchdown also, obviously, a very misleading final score there. Um, Oklahoma State, a team I'd be uh, more leaning toward continuing to back because I think that Oklahoma State with Spencer Sanders still has a pretty high upside. Well, of course, we saw this week, too, that line for Oklahoma State and Kansas State uh, did shoot up pretty quickly. And in fact, I kind of like Kansas State in that game. But, you know, going up against Oklahoma State again this week does kind of concern me a little bit uh, in that Big 12 matchup. What about Duke and Charlotte here? Duke won this game 53 to 19. They outgained Charlotte only 401 to 338. But Charlotte had the ball for 42 and a half minutes in this game. Duke with eight yards per play. Yeah, I can't figure out Duke. I don't know what to do with them anymore because about the time I think Duke's offense is pretty good, I bet an over with them and they can't do anything. Like they did or they turn the ball NC over State. six times. That's right. Or they turn the ball over six or eight times. Um, I think Duke games are really hard to bet. You know, usually Cutcliffe as an underdog is something I'd like to look at. And I'm not saying I wouldn't bet them, but I'm not laying points with Duke. I know that. I don't want to lay points with the team that turns the ball over the way they do. Um I guess it's not shocking that Duke scored a lot of points though on Charlotte. You know, I mean, it's a different level of, of talent there and Duke's not going to have better talent than who they're playing against most of the season. No, that's an excellent point. I have one more box score note, but we'll save it here for one of our highlight videos a little bit later on in the show. Got some field goal kicking stats for you. These are always fun to talk about Georgia tech one for six on field goals. So, you know, they've uh, left some points on the field to say the least. Vanderbilt and Michigan both one for four. Texas Tech 0 for three. What about the kicker for UTSA? 15 for 16. Hopefully somebody drafts that cat. You know, I hadn't noticed that one. When you sent that one over, I was like, wow, 15 for 16 at UTSA. That's pretty impressive. Uh, on the other hand, one for six. I mean, gosh, you would think they'd have somebody that could kick better than that. But um, yeah, this is interesting to look at because you know how frustrating it is if you go down the field uh, try to kick a short field goal and miss it. Just ask Buckeyes fans who were getting pretty frustrated when, when uh, you know, they were, they should have been way farther ahead of Penn state than what they were. Um, and I don't know, did, did Ohio state cover that spread? The closing number? 
They covered, I, yeah, they covered the close. It was 13 early in the week. I think they covered the close for the most part, but they left. I mean, they, they left six points on the field and missed field goals. They probably should have gotten touchdowns right. out of those drives and the, whatever the hell happened right before halftime, uh, that, that game shouldn't have been close at all. I don't think. No. I, and I think that uh, getting off topic slightly, but Ohio state's offense is going to be tough for anybody in the big 10 to stop. I think they're really very good. Justin Fields looks quite a bit better than last year. Um, they have a lot of weapons there. The question is whether Ohio state's defense is going to be good enough for them to be one of the elite teams in the country. Well, speaking of the big 10 here, Minnesota's given up a ton of points, a ton of yards, and their opponents are one for five on field goals. So they could have given up even more here so far. It, Iowa State opponents are five for 11 on field goals against them. Kansas State opponents are three for nine on field goals against them. So once again, Kansas State special teams make an appearance here on the show. As far as the other end of the spectrum, poor Tennessee opponents are 11 for 11 against them. And really poor Navy opponents are 15 for 16 on field goals against the Middies. Wow, yeah, the Middies not not getting any uh, favorable things. I, I want to say that you put this in your notes, and I, I had put this in my notes as far as my betting the other day, too. I don't know what's going on with Navy. I mean, why is Navy throwing the ball so much more than they have in the past? I, I don't think it's really working. I mean, I know they've been behind, and that's part of it, but uh, Navy has had a bit of a different game plan, not even playing as slowly as they have in the past. Yeah, in fact, I, I noticed this. It was pretty interesting. You always look at time of possession metrics, and, of course, you expect the option teams, the service academies, Georgia Southern, so on and so forth, to be up there at the top. Air Force is 11th, an average time of possession per game. Makes sense. Army is 14th. Makes sense. Navy is 49th. That doesn't make sense to me at all. Navy had 104 pass attempts all of last season. They have 93 pass attempts so far this season and in keeping in line with that time of possession theme the last three years for navy eighth eighth and first in average time of possession and 49th this year so i agree something is something is amiss and again as you said they've been trailing a lot maybe game state kind of dictating what they're doing but maybe it's a lack of early down success too yeah, I would think so. I, I don't have it right in front of me, but I would assume Coastal Carolina is near the top in time of possession, right? I mean, they, they have to be really high up there the way they've been winning games and, and running the football so well. Really impressed with Coastal Carolina. Every single week, people try to go against Coastal Carolina and they just uh, play extremely well. So Coastal Carolina has been really impressive. I agree. I can't believe Navy's not up there any higher than what they are. Uh, Army's 14th. Army's a team that'll probably go up even higher than that. And, you know, I mean, as far as uh, Minnesota, I want to say something about them. I'm really surprised Minnesota has really dropped off this bad. I think P.J. Flex, a guy that both of us have been pretty high on, I knew they lost a lot on defense, but uh, for Maryland to light you up for that much is a real problem. Yeah, it really is, to say the least. A few things regarding turnovers here real quickly. Appalachian State, who's been you know pretty dominant for the most part here this year, except for that game they played against Marshall, they have not recovered any of their opponent's eight fumbles as of yet. Tulsa, on the flip side, has recovered all seven of their opponent's fumbles. And Tulsa, we could say a lot of things about that game against East Carolina that was played over the weekend. Uh, Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve did an excellent job recapping that one uh, on the Bad Beat segment. I encourage you to go find that video that's out there. Uh, as far as other stuff in the turnover department goes, Wake Forest is plus 14 now in turnover margin. They've turned it over one time this year. It was a fumble that they lost. Duke is minus 10, Louisville minus 11, Mississippi State 
minus 12 here as far as the big outliers and turnover margin. Yeah, Wake Forest is the one that surprises me a lot. Um, Hartman's a good quarterback, so him not uh, turning the ball over too much makes sense. The Wake Forest defense has been a lot better than I would have thought, especially at forcing turnovers. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm curious to see if that continues. I still think Wake Forest is kind of an over team. Probably will start giving up more points than they have so far this year, and they still play at a really quick pace. A couple of red zone stats, and we'll get into some game breakdowns here. Oklahoma State's been in the red zone 22 times. They only have 10 touchdowns. They're tied for 22nd in score percentage in the red zone, but 96th in touchdown percentage. With their defense, if they could convert in the red zone, uh, this is a very dangerous team. Yeah, Oklahoma State, uh, I think they have a really high upside. Um, you know, Obviously, the Big 12 is not going to be any part of uh, playoffs this year, but uh, Oklahoma State, I, I assume, was pretty much their last chance. Um you know, Oklahoma State still is a team that I'd rather bet on than bet against. I agree with you, though. When I look at the line for this week, I couldn't bet on them laying this many points with a low total against Kansas State. Kansas State, again, those Kansas State special teams are always finding a way to get into the equation there. So we talked a lot about the MAC for Wednesday already. Really quickly here Thursday, Wyoming and Colorado State, Utah State and Nevada. Another inflated Nevada number here, I think. But I don't really have much interest in playing Utah State. Any thoughts on the two Mountain West games for Thursday from you? Well, let's start with Wyoming, Colorado State. Um, Both of us had the right thoughts last week with Wyoming. Um, Wyoming's really good on the offensive line. Um, I'm still going to lean to Wyoming. Wish this was minus three instead of three and a half. Um, You know, this is one where Wyoming's defense is not what they were last year, but Wyoming's never going to be really bad defensively with Craig Bowl. Offensively, they're going to possess the ball, uh, do just enough passing it. Uh, Colorado State didn't even start Patrick O'Brien last week. I don't know why they didn't start Patrick O'Brien. He did so well for the team last year. Um, and I know that their their new starter didn't play very well in week one. So maybe maybe O'Brien will get some run here in this game. But um, don't know what to do with this game with Wyoming Lane three and a half. As, as far as the other one, Utah State and Nevada, Nevada's offense is really good. I think their offense is very good. That air raid. Carson Strong is a very good quarterback. I think that most people underrate him. I don't want to lay this many points with Nevada. I don't think Nevada's defense is very good. Utah State, I mean, look at what their offense has done so far this year. I mean, they have been absolutely terrible. I know they've played two really good defenses, uh, Boise and San Diego State, I believe. So, I mean, it's two teams that that are very good defensively, but Utah State on the year, I'm going to pull it up as we're talking here, Utah State, so far this year, yards per play, 3.32, um, not not acceptable. And uh, they have two plays of 20 yards or more in two games. <laughs> That's really hard to do. Um, that's Western Kentucky bad. In the Mountain West, that's extremely hard to do because this is not a good defensive conference at all. By the way, an interesting game on Friday night here in the Mountain West as we transition over, San Jose State and San Diego State. First of all, both of these teams look much better than I anticipated. And Nick Starkle, the Texas A&M slash Arkansas transfer, looks really good in this San Jose State offense. I wonder if they could test San Diego State's defense a little bit. That's a I know it's not BYU and Boise State, and we'll talk about that for a highlight video here in a second, but that's still a really interesting game with San Jose State and San Diego State there. Yeah, I lean towards San Diego State here. I think that San Jose State's defense has not really been tested in a big way so far this year. Air Force is is not what they've been in the past. Um, You know, San Jose State then plays New Mexico. 
Uh, San Diego State's been better on offense than I expected them to be by quite a bit. They've run the ball really well. Uh, maybe Brady Hope goes back and has a good time at San Diego State. Um, San Diego State's defense is still very good. So I, I would lean toward laying the points in a game like this. I think San Jose State team is clearly much better than they've been in the past. Brennan's done a really good job with this team. At the same time, uh, I don't think you're getting enough points here to take San Jose State. No, I might play a low over here, though. I I might take a look at the over and kind of see how that shakes itself out a little bit in Friday night's game. But with that, we'll do a highlight video for a Friday night game here. Game 313-314, BYU and Boise State. BYU, a three-point favorite on the Smurf turf. A lot of reduced juice out there, 105, 103, 108 in that range total in this game 59 and a half BYU has been impressive all year Boise State's got two very impressive data points already what do you think about this Friday night game Kyle I think this is a great game it's one of my favorite games of the week Um, BYU has played really well so far this year I think it's fair to say BYU has not played a great schedule so far this year they had the good win at Houston but Houston has not looked very good outside of that game either so I don't know if that was a a great win either you know BYU is going to be tested in a way that they haven't been tested so far this year I don't know if we know if uh, Bachmeyer is going to play here for Boise State Uh, he sat out last week because of COVID Um, one of the right calls that I made last week which were few and far between because I, I sucked on Saturday but one of the right calls I made was taking Boise State and immediately I saw Bachmeyer's not playing I thought oh shit you know here comes another and, but Sears is a good backup for Boise State too and that, that's the important thing about having depth like Boise State has I see a lot of love here for uh, BYU you know this has about 70 percent of the bets on BYU so far this week um I'm not anxious to lay the points here with BYU. I have to tell you that I think that if this one gets to three and a half, I think Boise State is tempting. Um, Boise State's a team that, to me, still has a really quality offense. Like I said, regardless of who's at quarterback, good offensive line. The defensive front is good. Really like Wilson at BYU. And I think my favorite play in this game is the over. I think both teams can get enough big plays on offense that they're able to be able to to, uh, put up quite a few points in this one. And usually when two teams like this play, you don't think of a ton of points. So the number is not extremely high. Yeah, I have this one BYU minus three. So I'm pretty much right on the market number now. I realize I have a typo in my Power Ratings article over at ATS.io that I'll have to go correct right after the show. But I agree with you on a lot of the points that you said. I mean, this is a step up in class for BYU, who has looked the part. Zach Wilson's looked really good. He's getting all that NFL draft buzz now. But this is a much more difficult opponent for BYU in the Boise State Broncos. One thing I will say is that BYU has covered six of the eight meetings since these two teams started playing regularly year in and year out. I think a byproduct of that, though, is that Boise State doesn't play tough physical teams in this conference but they get one when they play BYU every year the difference now is that Boise State's only played twice BYU's been playing throughout their schedule and played a lot of cupcakes at that so I do wonder if the physicality element doesn't hurt BYU as much as it would in a more traditional season I'll wait on Bachmeyer. I'll see what happens maybe at three and a half I'll have a play I think this line's pretty good but I agree with you that To me, I think it's Boise State or nothing simply because I want to see what happens when BYU steps up in class. 
Yeah, I think so too. And I see what's the total here? 59, 59 and a half somewhere in there. Um, 59 is a pretty important number. I would, don't think I'd want to play the, the over higher than 59 because neither of these teams really play that fast. So you're going to need a lot of really big plays. I think we will see quite a few big plays in this game. Wilson is tremendous. He can make big plays out of nothing. Both of these teams have really good quarterbacks. I mean, their backups are really good on both sides. Uh, really like both of these teams quite a bit. Both teams that I'd rather bet on than bet against. So not anxious to bet the side here. It's just that if the public gets too enamored here with BYU, then I would at least consider taking the points if this gets to three and a half or four. I think Boise State first half, maybe a decent look here too. You know, just because you got a lot more film on BYU, you've got a much better idea of what they're going to be doing. And again, this is a step up in class for BYU. And we talk about steps up in class. You're talking about you know the speed of the game for the defensive backs. You're talking about the strength of the opposition in the trenches, stuff like that. So maybe Boise State gets off to a fast start here. Maybe they're maybe taking the Broncos in the first half are the way to look in this one. But again, live betting opportunities always available in a game like this that you're going to watch on Friday night as well and lots of opportunities to hear lots of game breakdowns for us right here on ATS radio which you can hear on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud and of course you can find these highlight videos over on our ATS YouTube page. All right before we get into one more highlight video and then sign off here for this little bit of an abbreviated show we got to talk Air Force and Army right because we got a total here of 41 in this game Second leg of the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy. Uh, The first one was Air Forces as they beat Navy in that first game. So they could lock up the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy here, traveling cross-country to West Point for this very early 11.30 a.m. kickoff. Wow, yeah, I hadn't noticed it was 11.30. Um, This is one where... I would have to take Army if I took a side in this one. Having said that, I don't like laying points with such a low total in a game where they're going to run all the time. So I lean toward Army here. I certainly lean to the under. I wish they wouldn't keep putting the number lower and lower and lower. A few years ago, taking the under in these military um, academy games was just free money. And now everybody knows about it. And it's, you know, the total comes out 40 or something like that. And I sit there and go, I probably should bet the under, but I can't. Um, again, lean to the under, lean toward Army. I think Air Force um, is pretty weak offensively this year. Um, Caden Rims- Rimsburg's been injured. Um, I think he was supposed to be out two or three weeks, so he'll want to try to come back for this game, but I don't think he'll play here. That's definitely something you'll want to check before you bet this game. Rimsburg is a really good running back for Air Force. They don't have anybody else that's nearly as good as him. So They also have a center who's injured with a sprained ankle. So Air Force is... Um, Definitely weak compared to what they were last year. They don't have the quarterback they had last year. Quarterback play has been a big problem for them. Hammond was very good. I think that, you know, if you look at this Air Force team, they are a shell of what they used to be. Army is uh, a quality team who can run the ball well, obviously. Air Force's defenses look pretty bad here. You know, I mean, I know it was Boise State, but I mean, Boise State really ran uh, very easily and threw the ball whenever they needed to. So I'm worried about backing Air Force here. I would lean toward Army. Yeah, and I realize this point would have been a lot better on the highlight video, but Boise State last week, 9.4 yards per play. They had 49 offensive plays. They scored 49 points in the game. They had four third down attempts. So lots of early down success from the Broncos in that game last week. And again, that's why it pays to listen to ATS radio instead of just checking out the highlight videos. But as far as this one goes, six straight to the under. However, 
This is the lowest total in this game since 2009. And of course, these two teams do play every year. Last six years, 30, 31, 21, 43, 23, 29. So maybe this still stays under 41. Uh, But as you said, very, very hard uh, to play a total that low. I don't want to go too deep into this game, so I'll save it for Thursday with Brad Powers. We'll talk about Michigan and Indiana on tomorrow's show. But do want to get to another highlight video here on this Wednesday edition of ATS Radio. Taking a look at game 361-362, Washington State and Oregon State. Oregon State, one-and-a-half-point favorite now as we've got a flipped favorite scenario in this Pac-12 matchup. We are recording this on Tuesday afternoon, so the line may have changed a little bit. Just keep that in mind. Total for this one here of 64.5 to 65.5, depending on where you look. You've got a pretty strong opinion here on this game with Washington State and Oregon State. Yeah, I like Oregon State in this game. If you look at Washington State, obviously they lost their coach from last year. They're going to play a similar style. Obviously, um, not exactly the same with Rolovich, head coach. I don't think they have a quarterback that fits really good in the system right now. Also, if you look at this team right now, I think their running back might be their best player on offense. Are they going to run the ball? I mean, I I don't know if they really want to run the ball or not, but um, I don't know that they're going to maximize their talent very well. The wide receivers are not good. And that's a problem when you're running this style of offense like they ran at Hawaii. Um, to me, Washington State has tons of question marks. I know they've had some team chemistry issues. Rolovich didn't actually get out uh, off on a great start there at Washington State. Don't like that at all. And I do like Oregon State. I think that Oregon State has been really well coached the last couple of years. I know Jake Luton is not there anymore, but they still have a pretty good offensive line and really good running backs. I think that Oregon State will be able to run the ball in this game. That's what makes me like Oregon State here. Um, Oregon State, not very good defensively, but they are better than they were a couple years ago. I know that's not saying too much, but, you know, if you look at Washington State, I don't think their defense is going to be very good at all this year. So I definitely lean strongly toward taking Oregon State minus the points here. And and this is one where you look at the trajectory of the two programs and and for Washington State, they're starting over. You know, they the run and shoots not that much different from the air raid. They probably will run the football a little bit more, but it is a new scheme for everybody to try and master everybody to try to figure out. Oh, and by the way, they're starting a true freshman at quarterback too. So now they're going on the road to an Oregon State team with continuity, with you know a, a holdover head coach here in Jonathan Smith, who's doing an excellent job with this program, by the way. They're getting more talent in there. They're getting better talent in there. Nine returning starters on defense should help them look a little bit better. I will say this is kind of an outlier, and you always worry about outliers a little bit. Oregon State favored against a Pac-12 team for the first time since week 12 of the 2016 season, only the second time since the start of the 2014 season. But let's be honest, it's probably justified in this game. I think it is. Uh, that, that doesn't scare me away from this one. I like Oregon State. I think Oregon State runs the ball well here in this game. I don't know what Washington State can do defensively to stop them. On the other end, I don't think Washington State's going to be all that efficient on offense right away, especially with a freshman quarterback. So I think the flip favorite is the right move here. I think there's definitely some sharp money on Oregon State. That's who I'm going to take in this game. Well, there you go. A consensus opinion from us here, both looking at Oregon State in this matchup against Wazoo. You can find these highlight videos on our ATS YouTube page. And of course, you can find the full broadcasts of ATS Radio, which you can find on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. Before we sign off, anything else on the college football side you want to touch on? UMass? 
Yeah, let's talk. <laughs> UMass and Marshall here. Marshall Fortin. <laughs> all right. What about the cocktail party? Florida and Georgia. You agree with that line coming down all the way to three now at some of the sharper global markets? You know, I don't know what to do with that game. Um, you know, I don't think that Stetson Bennett is really the answer for Georgia at quarterback. Uh, obviously, I think Georgia's really good running the ball. Georgia's defense has looked really good against everybody except for Bama in the second half of that game. I think if I had to bet this game, I'd probably bet Georgia here. Um, I can't take Florida only getting, what, three points now? Three, three and a half, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so um, I would lean Georgia in this game, but this is a game I'd rather not bet. And and this is one of those things, too. I mean, Florida's issue is defense, and I don't think Georgia's equipped to to take advantage. You know, I I, I mean, this is maybe a lower-scoring game, total 52 and a half. Maybe Florida's defense figures it out here. But I'm more inclined to go against Florida when they're playing an offense that can burn them, not Georgia's offense. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that Florida, defensively, they should be better than they've been so far this year. So maybe the under is the right play. Uh, I think my number in this one was 53. So I'm not going to bet this game at all. Um, I think this is a good game to watch, not a good one to to bet personally. Do you want to talk about FIU and UTEP before we're done or no? No, no, not FIU, UTEP. I, I I, I draw the line there too. So no Akron, no FIU. <laughs> I do like UTEP this week for, for what it's worth, but you can read about that over at ATS.io instead of us talking about it here on the show. Professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. What's the story over at the website right now, man? So I lowered the prices for all the selections for the rest of the season. Um, I know a few of you took advantage of the special last week. I apologize for everybody that bought in last week. You know, I'd had really good, four really good Saturdays in a row. And then last week was just really shitty. Um, I was pretty upset about that personally and definitely got some grief about that. Uh, it's one of those things, you know, obviously in this business, you're going to have good weeks and bad weeks. Uh, we're looking for the long term, but uh, long term, been really good in college football. So, uh, maybe maybe can get a good bounce back week this week. Uh, sign up for the free picks newsletter if you haven't already. Those free plays have done really well. Uh, I'll send another one out here on Friday night for Saturday, and I think I'll probably send one out for Saturday night for the Sunday NFL. Those teasers in the NFL have done really well that I've been sending from that. So if you haven't signed up already, uh, huntersportspicks.com, the free newsletter. And just a quick PSA for everybody. If you buy picks from somebody and the day doesn't go well, don't MF them or wish ill will on their families or anybody else. Just don't do that. Not cool, man. Not yeah, cool. it was a, uh, it was a real interesting to say the least uh, Saturday night here. Uh, I'm getting DMS, uh, which I had notifications on, which was a, a big mistake on, on my part. Uh, and I'm walking around trick or treating and, and it was, it was not a good combination. So Saturday night didn't go very well. Uh, my wife actually saw one of them. She's like, what is going on? I'm like, yeah, just having a shitty day. So um, yeah, I, I have to say though, most people understand, and I do appreciate a lot of people have reached out and been like, Hey, you know, you're really solid. You're a really honest guy. We appreciate that. We appreciate all the free information. That's what I try to do here. That's what I tried to do with the election. That's what I've tried to do with a lot of things is give people value. Uh, even if you don't want to buy plays, uh, I try to help you out. Well, I certainly appreciate your time here today, Kyle Hunter. And again, recording this on Tuesday afternoon, carving some time out during election day uh, so you can get your sleep when we're usually recording on Wednesdays, but I always appreciate your time and your insights, brother. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I know people are going to hear this on Wednesday, but you know, good luck with everything that you got going on tonight. And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Appreciate it, man. Talk to you soon.
There you go. There's professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com at Kyle Hunter Picks on Twitter. Coming up on Thursday, I'll chat with Brad Powers, professional better and handicapper from bradpowersports.com. We'll talk college football and the NFL there with Brad. Then Friday, my thoughts for week nine in the Circus Sports Million. I'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.